0: for free shipping and 365-day returns.
1: Good afternoon, Danny. Hello. Welcome How are to, you? Welcome to my bedroom again. And welcome to your listeners. Danny, I was wondering if you could kick off this episode with a trouncing. Just, <laughs> uh, just dunk on something for me if you if you will. Certainly,
2: certainly. So, a few months ago, Joe Cornish's belated follow-up to Attack the Block, the kid who would be king, was released. Mm-hmm. Which I didn't get a chance to see in the cinema, but I was excited to see because I'm a big Attack the Block fan. I think that's a brilliant film. I've uh, caught up with the kid who would be king. It is the film that should not have been (laughs) made. (laughs) I don't know. It's not very good. It was a big
1: disappointment. I got to say, who would be stinks the kid? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I remember hearing him talk about it and saying that he wanted to make a kids' film that was for children rather than a kind of smart, alicy sort of quasi-kids film that's really, like, winking at the adults all the time. Yeah. And that sounded like a good thing to me. That sounded appealing. Like, it it looks, from the trailer, a bit like a kind of BBC after-school television Well, yeah, I think that's it. (laughs) (laughs) That is accurate. Okay. But still not particularly good. Yeah.
2: Yeah, just kind of... Poorly plotted, I would say. It's a bit overlong. It's got an annoying... This might be just more a personal gripe, but it's got an annoying sort of fake-out climax where... The movie is can't obviously end here because the pacing would be all off. But you know, it feels like he's about to kill the bad guy. I mean there's like another half an hour of movie before it's very successful. Mm. And um Louis Circus, who's the lead, is just hasn't got a particularly well written part, it's just sort of like very earnest, delivers every line in a sort of slightly bit of that kind of you know the kind of first few Harry Potter movie syndrome where just all the actors are sort of like just very breathy. and oh,
1: yes, oh my god, yes. Yeah.
2: It's a bit like that. Yeah. Also, it had a bit of a kind of political edge in that, or was going for one, in that the sort of King Arthur united England in the myth, and like now, has England ever been more divided? We need a king, but it's like, does it have to be the sort of like little white kid, you know?
1: Is it, uh, about, is it about Brexit?
2: Well, sort of. Like, <laughs> oh it makes us sort of like, not in a particularly deep or meaningful way, but you kind of make yeah. gestures to the idea that England is now divided, so that's why the villain can come back because the powers of that have held her in the sort of mystical prison have weakened. Yeah, it just was very good. Also, I don't know if this is... This is now a trope, because I've noticed it in two movies. The Kid Who Would Be King and the Spider-Man movies has the sort of... His best friend is like a chubby guy who isn't white. Both movies, it's like... The best thing in the movie, like the best kid actor is this like South Asian British dude who's really funny. But it's like, what has everyone got? A, it's got like the sort of brains character yeah. who's like not very good at fighting, but is good at like you know uh, he's like brains or something he's like the q yeah,
1: yeah yeah it's
2: like why can't he be the
1: lead you know if it's about like underdogs and stuff mm. i don't know so that's uh, unfortunate i didn't enjoy it i wish that they leaned a bit more into this political angle judging just, just from the sounds of things if there's this uh background of britain's become divided and it's letting evil seep back into the world i think they should have just began with footage of the leave campaign or something had people constantly referencing it should have been Brexit. like um black Klansmen, just smash cut um, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. To, uh, so it's just Farage standing in front of the uh, poster, the breaking point or whatever breaking point poster, exactly. Yeah, when they're all going the other way, right? It's like
2: it's like the end of the sound of music. It's like people <laughs> like leaving a country. <laughs> well, it's all go, like, as, you it's know, a different place, it's a completely different country, yeah, and <laughs> it's got
1: nothing to do with uh, the UK. But yeah, oh well. So that's a that is a shame. Sorry, it's that's a shame from cornball, especially because it's taken him such a long time to make that film. Yeah, and it didn't seem to have been a big hit. No. Not with me, not with Danny or with audiences generally, or with critics, you know. But but I'll watch the next one. Keep churning out, Joe. Has he got another project in the pipeline? Do you know? I don't know. But
2: I'm not. You know, it wasn't so bad. I'd write him off. I still think Attack the Block, you know, was very promising. So maybe this is difficult second album syndrome, perhaps, 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 perhaps. Sorry, uh, Sam. What am I doing here? I've just, I've just like, as woken up
1: from a dream. What am I doing in your room right now? Well, you often feel that way during uh, the start of the podcast, (laughs) but it's not a problem. Let me explain to you what the podcast is all about. It's about Amy Moran, who's uh, guns down while attempting to talk her way out of a carjacking. And uh, her brother, Danny, attends her funeral and attempts to make amends with his niece, who's angry that Danny never contacted her or her father. And Danny decides to investigate his sister's death and goes undercover as a teacher, Facing a cynical and reluctant faculty, violent and disruptive students, and a system that, to Danny's eyes, has become broken from the inside, all while attempting to protect his teenage niece. Recruiting Joey Six, and a rather unorthodox janitor, Moran turns the school into an after-hours battleground, fighting against well-armed gang members and, eventually, the school's auto-repair teacher, who is also involved in the gang's chop-shop operation. Is what I would be saying... If this was a adaptation of the 1998 TV film, The Substitute 2, Schools Out. But it's just a podcast where you talk about review films. Yeah. I am Sam Foster and joining me an undercover cop, who's a bit like the kindergarten cop, except he, he's like much more brutal, <laughs> Danny Moran. Hey, hey, it is bona fide review bonanza week on Film
2: Chat as we review not one, not two, not three... Not five, but four films. First up, I'll be reviewing the insane sci-fi film High Life with the mad premise of Robert Pattinson travelling towards a black hole. Crazy. What? Then I'll review the insane sci-fi film Late Night with the mad premise of a woman hosting a US chat show. Bonkers. Then you'll review insane sci-fi film Booksmart with the fucking out there premise of two women being friends or something i mean where do they come up with this stuff it's fucking nuts then i'll review insane sci-fi film sunset which uh the premise is a woman goes to a hat shop in budapest <laughs> mind blown <laughs> plus we discussed a new film from danish wunderkind thomas vinterberg and danish actor maz Mikkelsen. And wonder what the recently announced animated Spice Girls film will mean for the SGEU, that's the uh, Spice Girls extended universe, all of which should leave me just enough time to tell a Joe Brand-esque tasteless joke in the hope that will generate some much needed press for this frankly failing podcast. So here goes. So there's this new trend of throwing milkshakes at Nigel Farage. I think instead of throwing milkshakes, (laughs) we should murder him in cold blood. That's good. Just murder him. Yeah. When you're saying the am not I'm not, I'm jo- not joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we should murder him. Okay. I want this to be... I hope this is played in court one day. It's <laughs> evidence
1: for my plans to murder him. Are you trying to be like the woke Dankula, basically? Yeah. I'm trying to be... Yeah, woke Dankula. Woke Dankula. Yeah. That's what I'm going for. That's
2: good. I mean. I've, ta- I've taught my dog how to make the peace symbol. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> what do you say to your dog to uh, trigger that? I say... Uh, peace on earth <laughs> uh, Yeah,
2: all I'm saying is... <laughs> it's yeah. like He tries to give peace a try Yeah, Films, nice. films, 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 films Lots of films, 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 films He's good films, bad films, fun
0: films Sad films, films we love Weird films, one, trier films
1: some John films, films that star Peter Fitch Films by David Lynch Films, short films Six hours long We've got films up to your gills With films, 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 films movies Are you feeling comfortable? Film chat has begun On this podcast we like to catch up with what's going on with bond films the star wars movies marvel that kind of <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> that kind of garbage garbage sometimes it's nice to find out what's going on with real cinema so the danish director thomas vinterberg who um is probably best known for making uh, the hunt in um, which mads mickelson was a teacher accused of child abuse falsely yeah, and he directed Festin, which is the first Dogme 95 film, yeah. where someone's accused of paedophilia rightfully. Correct. G- accurately. G- so, accurately. So, he's, so he's playing both sides there. Yeah. He's telling both sides the story. And uh, what was the other film that he made recently, a period drama? He did uh, Far From the Madding
2: Crowd, oh, yes. and Mr. Sneeders' movie La Commune, often works with Tobias Lindholm, who directed A Hijacking, but he's quite a big deal in Denmark, and it feels like every once in a while,
1: he's like, oh, Thomas Vinterberg, but... Uh, I don't know, a bit of a lull. Maybe this is well, he's ready he, for another... He's got a exciting, sounding new project, so he's going to do for schools what the uh, television show Drunk History did for history generally, <laughs> which is add alcohol to, to it. Yeah. So his new film is called Druk. I'm not sure how that's pronounced in Denmark, perhaps like that. Uh, which apparently is Danish for binge drinking, but we don't know what the international title of this film is going to be. And it tells the story of a group of teachers that decide to experiment with the idea of being constantly drunk during the workday. This is according to the playlist, not necessarily blackout drunk, but with a mild intoxication that, in theory, would help their day go better. Of course, as you might expect, the experiment has drastic effects on some of the teachers. Um, So we're expecting it to come out next year. Solid microdosing. I guess so. It's like microdosing with LSD, but just microdosing with alcohol. Right, cool. Take okay. the edge off. <laughs> One supposes. Yeah. I mean, this isn't a theory that I've ever heard suggested before that being slightly drunk would improve anything. Well, there's a Mitch and Webb sketch,
2: right, where he just drinks slightly less than two pints and he can, like, accomplish all things and becomes the most successful man in the world. Oh, uh, yeah, Just takes the right. edge of life. Yeah. Well, I mean, just judging from his previous stuff, I'm guessing you could go heavy drama away. but are they drinking because is it some commentary about teaching conditions and being overworked and burning out possibly or let me ask you this if you were a teacher mm-hmm. do you reckon
1: the drinking would would it mellow you out or just like you just make the chance of you like flipping out higher i mean i could see i could see the benefit in the sense that you you're put into a lot of socially stressful situations in teaching having to deal with kids misbehaving and so on yeah say so perhaps the lack of inhibitions that come with being a little bit drunk might just put you more at ease er, surrounded by angry or misbehaving children so perhaps that's the theory behind it but mm. i think to me it's also a recipe for hilarity i mean it sounds a bit like you know there was bad teacher right did you ever <laughs> that, that uh cameron, diaz, cameron movie. diaz yeah did she cameron get, diaz fuck! Did she, was she a bad teacher because she got drunk or was she did she just like was she just not very good with the marking and stuff I think she was just you know very self-centered didn't really care about the students right that is bad that's bad for a teacher yeah yeah um that sounds like it could be fun has he done comedy before not to my knowledge i mean there's a lot of humor in his movies uh but
2: there would not be found on the comedy section of your local art house library
1: <laughs> <laughs> is there a scene in the hunt where mads milkerson gets pissed uh just so we can see what this director is like doing with drunk characters
2: well, at the big be- actually, to tell you the truth, the, the opening scene is like a bachelor party where all these lads are getting drunk, ah, and they like throw a guy into the lake, all scored to Moon Dance by Van Morrison. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. So, but I remember thinking that I was like, "What if they were all teachers?" Shit, he is a teacher in The Hunt. He's a teacher. Yeah. Shit, if was probably rewatching The Hunt. He was like the last movie didn't really set the world on fire. It's like oh, I remember when I was made the hunter mm. was a huge hit. I watched that. Like the opening scene is like shit. Maybe this is this gonna is be, the
1: movie. Maybe it's gonna be called like the Crunk. or. Something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: But and I'm, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward drunk. to it, and Maz Mikkelsen is always great. I like his presence.
1: He's just a cool guy. He's got great hair. Mickelson has been playing a lot of baddies and serious type characters as well. So maybe something where he just cuts loose a bit and gets wasted will be. Yeah, and nice. has two regular working eyes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It'll be a nice change of pace for him. So yeah, ones look forward to. As always, if you need any updates on this film, keep listening to film chat. We're going to be all over it. Every little tidbit that comes out about this new movie will be telling you before anybody else. So don't go to different news sources. No, don't google it just wait for the podcast to come out it's my advice <laughs> i'm one of a group of very important people who've been watching you for quite a while we have great plans for you which is why earlier i let you in on one of the world's greatest secrets what secret that everything mankind does is much much easier if you're ever so slightly drunk that sensation you get between half and three quarters of the way down your second drink of the day when you've just
0: taken the edge off and feel that anything is possible.
1: <laughs> how did you feel after that wine I gave you? Like anything was possible. Exactly. Come with me.
2: Um Sam I tell you what I want, what I really, really want. What would you really, really want? Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> it's tell not how the song goes. <laughs> <laughs> tell me
1: what you want. <laughs> what you really, really want. want an animated Spice Girls movie.
2: <laughs> an animated Spice Girls film. Yeah, animated Spice Girls film. <laughs> I don't want a live-action Spice Girls film. I want an animated one. Well, there's already been a live-action one. Yeah, yeah. But
1: you wouldn't want a sequel. Nah. Like a direct sequel to it. No, you can't improve upon perfection. Uh, but you can probably readapt it into an animated version. Disney is making a lot of animated... Sorry, like live action versions of their animated films, isn't it? Yeah. So maybe it'd be good if the more live action films are turn into animations. Yeah, why not? So Paramount Animation is, you'll be shocked to hear, making an animated version of the Spice Girls film. I think that's literally all we know about it. It's going to be a musical. Uh, the Spice Girls are going to be in it. Whether Richard E. Grant will reprise his role as their so manager, we don't know. Is it
2: like a brand new movie? Or is it going to be
1: a remake of spice world the movie which should be bizarre this is all it says on uh, on the playlist here it's on a list of animated projects that paramount animation has re- has released it says borrowing a healthy bit from bohemian rhapsody and pop culture's obsession with 90s nostalgia the spice girls film will feature plenty of iconic songs from the group as well as new songs so that doesn't really that doesn't implies really an, anything
2: a, but it implies like a new kind of not a se- musical. not a
1: sequel to spice world i guess Right, and they're going to be playing themselves? Yeah, I believe so. They're all signed on and ready to lend their voices to the film. Wow, that uh, is strange. Quite, quite strange, yeah. You, also, like, do they still... Are people still excited about the Spice Girls? I mean, they were in a Walker's ad recently. Have you seen the Walker's yeah, ad? Yeah. yeah. The guy doesn't want to give up his crisps. He doesn't want to give up his crisps, and he has a fight with the Spice Girls about it.
2: Well, you know, I think this is just a bit similar kind of to the the Disney live-action things, or even, like, Detective Pikachu, where well, everybody was around the '90s has now grown up mm. and got kids, so it's like you're hitting two quadrants, right? You like the nostalgic parents bring the kids, so like that's maybe why it's animated, right? They're going to release it in half term. All the mums who grew up to this music or like, "Oh, I'll, I'll take my little Timmy and little little, Je- little Jenny, little Jane and little little Jade and, and little little Ruth and... <laughs> <little> Re- <laughs> <laughs> uh, to the <laughs> movies." <laughs> yeah but I don't know if they can improve Spice World the movie, which is a very odd, but entertaining film. Such yeah, a sort of snapshot adorable. of... It's like, remember the 90s? like Spice World was so big, they made an entire film, and it was like this weird...
1: Well, the Spice World is kind of like a Beatles film, isn't it? Yeah. Basically, like, you know, where they're all running about trying to get to a gig. It's kind of like Hard Day's Nice or something. Yeah, but then
2: within the film, they're pitching ideas for a Spice Girls film, and then the ending is like the writer pitching the end of the film as you're watching it. It's some early Kaufman-style... <laughs> <laughs> it's like adaptation. I've got some interesting trivia about that movie. Oh, hear. yeah. Please do hit me with the trivia. So there's a bit in uh, the movie where they're in Italy doing a gig for some reason, and they sing a bit of uh, Leader of the Gang by Gary Glitter, which uh, has dated it quite badly. But Gary Glitter was originally in the film, and there was a scene where they'd like a duet with him at this uh, gig in Italy. But right before the movie came out, the first wave of uh, scandals around him being a pedophile came out. But they'd already sent the film to all the cinemas so they have to ring up every cinema individually and get the projector to, like literally cut him out of the movie like you have to go to like real two a hundred frames in slice here and you know and then go how many frames forward and slice there and connect the movie so wow. was, like these really uns like in the you saw it in the cinema that would have been like a really jarring edit depending on how well the projector managed to splice it together
1: wow that's amazing that I know is,
2: right That is good uh, good trivia but this time, because it's uh, animated and all digital, they'll just be able to delete that scene.
1: It wouldn't be a problem now. <laughs> it wouldn't now. be a problem now. You That's get, one benefit of when, making when, films now. When you get whatever it's called, the digital packet, or whatever they get yeah. into the cinema, so they could just re-download it. Yeah. It'd yeah. be fine. It would just be fine. <laughs> <laughs> so they don't have to worry about casting any any older men who might have skeletons in their closet. <laughs> yeah, maybe just stay away from that. <laughs> that, whole, that whole demographic. Um, I would say that of all of the things to resurrect... I'm not that bothered about Spice Girls. I mean, that sort of um, Britpop moment or whatever. Raw, what did, Girl power. Girl power, Britannia. Cool Britannia. Stuff. Cool Britannia. That's the phrase Blair I was Blair was for. in. It was all going to be fine, wasn't it? I mean, it was all quite tongue in cheek at the time. And yeah. it seems like a particularly harmless incarnation of it. And there's something a bit less irritating to me about the Spice Girls than, I don't know, Blur or something. Yeah. Or Oasis. So, uh, you know, I I would, I'd watch it i didn't it. really i remember i didn't really listen to them at the time i remember like other people at school were hugely into the spice Girls, and i was just um i was just like no i'm not i'm not listening to that band i'm too cool i'm listening to Jane stevens even though he's, he's only about 13 years <laughs> old listening to sticks mate yeah <laughs> um, i'm listening to okay computer you fucking losers i'm listening to fucking radiohead albums i haven't even been released mate mate <laughs> Uh, no, I can't remember what music I was listening to, if any, but it, it felt a bit like a cultural moment that passed me by. I mean, was it was it mainly for girls? Like, did well, that's the thing. I had an older sister, so so you perhaps got, that was the. Were you a Spice Girls into.
2: fan? I don't know if like uh, fan is the right word, but they're just so ubiquitous. I don't just remember
1: them. They're just on all the time. When, like, when they came on, were you tapping your uh, toes, and, tapping toes nodding, and nodding your head and, and, <laughs> and smiling to and yourself? Smiling, clapping,
2: <laughs> whooping, <laughs> running around in circles. Pumping, pumping your fists and uh, howling like a wolf. Yeah. I mean, I enjoyed their music. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much their later stuff. After Jerry <laughs> left, I kind of tuned out. Yeah. They go a bit too
1: ballady. I prefer just the straightforward pop songs. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. really have a huge amount to add on the Spice Girls, really. I will, I will tell you this, though. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'll, tell you, I'll tell you this for free. I'll tell you this for free. That Walker's ad went down an absolute storm in the cinema where I was watching Booksmart. Yeah. It killed. It <laughs> absolutely killed. Like in Slade. Yeah. That was like the noisiest audience that I've, like to size ratio I think I've ever been in a cinema with. I was at the Curzon Goldsmiths. Wow. And there was probably only about 15 people in there, but they were all like really loud and loving it loving every second blimey so and they love that ad on the basis of that imagine how they react to the animated film if this movie comes out i want to see it with exactly the same people (laughs) and i want them to be on exactly the same substances because i think it would add to the experience a lot cool uh yeah yeah i tell you what i want to do what do you really really want to do now (laughs) tell me what you want what you really really want to do next maybe review some films great idea (laughs)
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
2: And now for
1: Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it ask poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off.
2: High Life. This is directed by Claire Denis, French uh, directing legend, who I feel has had a slight sort of Agnes Varda moment, where one's like, "I've always loved Claire Denis; she's amazing. I've got her on a T-shirt." I'm like, "Did you know about her? Like four years ago?" Anyway, she's a she's a she's a bloody legend. I've only seen one of her movies because I'm a philistine, and this is a first. At least you're
1: not a fucking dilettante, you know. At, at least least, at not... least
2: you're not a pretender. <laughs> at least I'm not a fucking. You're not yeah. a fucking poser. Yeah, like Exactly. I'm no. I'm no phony. And this is her English-language debut. It is written by her and Jean-Paul Farouk, that's probably how you pronounce that name, and that Jeff Cox. <laughs> so basically, it's uh, set on a spaceship in outer space, and it starts with Monty, played by Robert Patterson, and his baby daughter, and they're the last survivors of a damned and dangerous mission to the outer reaches of the solar system, and they sort of rely on each other to survive in a way, this sort of co-dependent uh, relationship. And then through flashbacks, it's revealed that Monty is one of a crew made up of death row convicts who, in exchange for pardons, have agreed to do this mission to mine a black hole for energy. I'm not sure how the science works. It's not really the movie's main concern. Uh, One of the convicts is Juliette Benoche, who's a scientist obsessed with harvesting the men's semen and inseminating the women. Here's a clip of Robin Patterson uh, hanging out with his baby.
0: Don't drink your own piss, Willow. Uh, Don't eat your own shit. Even if it's recycled.
2: Even if it doesn't look like piss or shit anymore. So I got a lot of time for Roy Patterson and this baby. There's a lot of just like uh, him shuffling around the spaceship, mm. just being a cool dad, like outer space dad. I was very charmed by it. So uh, I saw this movie right after watching Eighth Grade, and it was a real whiplash in styles, from uh, incredibly accessible emotional filmmaking to this deeply opaque "what the fuck is going on" movie, and I was a bit uh, nonplussed by it. But it has kind of remained with me. And the more I think about it, the more I like it. But I'm not entirely sure why. So this might be a bit of a non-review. But I'll try, I'll try my best. I'll try my bloody best. It's got this interesting non-linear narrative where you have to sort of piece together what happens. And by the end of the movie, you've sort of figured out what's happened in a plot sense. But the meaning is quite elusive. But that's kind of part of the enjoyment of the film. And I think it manages to be opaque without being just frustratingly vague. I feel like Claire Denis knows what she's doing. Uh, but she hasn't made it super easy for you to f- figure that out. But it's there if you want to find it. Yeah. Uh, you can just check the wiki,
1: p- the wiki yeah, page Yeah, I checked afterwards. the wiki page and I was
2: like, oh, right. Yeah.
1: It was a metaphor. You check the 35-minute YouTube video, what my <laughs> life is really about. Yeah, exactly. Um, Something I really
2: enjoyed about it is that it is a sort of sensual movie. I feel like every the kind of shadow of Kubrick hangs over all space movies and they can be a little sterile and cold. But there's a... Uh, It's very kind of messy movie. There's a lot of like fluids of like people bleeding, jizzing, spilling things, things decaying.
1: I'm blushing listening to this review.
2: Yeah. But I feel like she finds uh, it's very human and like the the kind of sort of, uh, I mean, this is true of most space movies, but you know, every voyage into outer space is a voyage into inner space. Yeah. Yeah. And it operates more as a kind of more, it's more of a prison movie than a space movie. And it's like, what is... If you put humanity in this bizarre place where the rules of society don't really apply, like, what happens? And it kind of reveals it in all its kind of ugliest forms and also in some more, like, tender human moments. Like, the sort of Robert Pattinson-daughter relationship is kind of a uh, opposite side of some of the uglier moments in the movie. I think Robert Pattinson is amazing in this film. It might be his best performance. He doesn't have a lot to work with. Like, there's very little dialogue in the film. But he really uh, just uh it really just acts you know it just really acts his fucking dick <laughs> off. it's just what? it's just a fucking Whoa. great actor it just uh <laughs> it just really ass- sells this kind of weird character i saw it described once as like a mixture of like acute loneliness and resigned fatalism which is quite a wanky thing to say but i was like that's kind of spot on and i think the movie wouldn't work without him in a way he kind of grounds it all because there's a lot of like out there stuff and like kind of banishing out his performances, Juliet Binoche is like full tilt crazy professor trying to steal his jizz the whole movie, mm. uh, which sounds kind of comical, but it's kind of played completely straight. And yeah, there's just a, a lot of value in the constant, what the what kind of moments in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> And it is always interesting, I would say. It kind of fully held my attention throughout, even when I was like, there was definitely points where I'm like, I don't really know what's going on at this point. Uh, but then it would sort of suck me back in with some uh, stuff I won't reveal because that's part of the pleasure of the movie. And there's also, it does have, I'm, I'm kind of describing it as if it's like this insane collection, collage of images that <laughs> makes no sense. But there is just some st- kind of straightforward storytelling in it. Like chief among them, the fact that it opens when it's just him and the kid and then it flashbacks... To the crew all being there kind of just sets up this mystery of what happened, which kind of carries you through the more weirder moments in the film. And uh yeah, it's got like, it's very strikingly shot. There's a lot of like images that keep on, I keep on thinking about. Haunt your dreams. Haunt my dreams. And yeah, it's just a real oddity. And it's, it's kind of that movie where like, it's basically, you have to sort of give yourself over to it. And I could totally understand if somebody watched it and I was like, it was this meaningless thing and was really annoyed by it. And I was like, that's that's a totally valid reaction to the film because it is, there's always a, you know, that it's, it's just up to your personal taste whether like, is this movie saying something or is it just so vague you can read whatever the hell you want into it? It's like, and all the reviews that are glowing, it's like, it's about humanity and uh, something. And it's like, that's such a broad thing to say. It's almost meaningless. Yeah. But I got to say, I kind of got a kick out of it. So I liked it. I probably should have watched after eighth grade that was a mistake but if you're a fan of like tarkovsky and these kind of headier uh i don't know boundary pushing cinema or cinema that's a bit out there and a bit strange it doesn't want to like you know and there's a bit hard work you might enjoy it
1: as well looks like sam's got a film to review he's just getting ready now Hey Sam, here's a few tips for you that I hope are going to help you out. You gotta come prepared, try not to rush, speak directly into the mic. Um, don't sort of use filler words too much and try to avoid talking total shite. Okay, start reviewing now. Uh, the actress Livia Wilde uh, has a directorial debut which just come out. It's a American high school comedy called Smart. It's getting a lot of good reviews and uh, it's been sort of uh, reductively described as sort of female super bad. It's about two girls... Who are very studious they're called molly and amy uh molly played by beanie feldstein who's the sister of jonah hill and uh uh caitlin dear as amy i'm not sure who that is should you describe her as jonah hill's sister i'm just i'm not describing her as jonah hill's sister i'm just saying that's a little bit of information about her okay because Jonah hill is more famous than she is so just, she just was a lady bird right she was a lady bird as Greta goey's friend that's true Anyway, so, so so they're these very studious and clever girls who are just about to graduate from high school. It's the day before graduation, and uh, Molly realizes that they they've worked really hard to get into good schools, but other students who had more time, spent more time partying, have also achieved academically what they wanted to, and she feels like they've missed out. And they decide, as a result, that they have to go to a party that evening and experience some of the fun life. they were missing out on because they spent too much time in the library here is a clip of the two girls making that plan we have to go to a party tonight what let's go to nick's party are you kidding no no way We, we only have one night left to have studied and partied in high school otherwise we're just gonna be the girls that missed out we haven't done anything we
2: haven't broken any rules okay we've broken a lot of rules one we have fake IDs. Fake college IDs so we can get into their 24-hour library. Name one person whose life was so much better because they broke a couple of rules. Picasso. That's yes, he broke art rules. Name a person who broke a real rule. Rosa Parks. Name another one. Susan B. Anthony. God damn it. Can't relate to this premise. Can't relate to it. I was I was having such a crazy... What did you do um, in the equivalent of high school? Uh, all the drugs. All the chicks. <laughs> <laughs> Stole cars. Wow. <laughs> Drove around at night. Man, that's crazy. Robbed a place, killed a guy. What, what did you do? Oh, well,
1: what my experience makes what you did look like fucking church. <laughs> uh, I sold heroin. Uh, I assassinated major political figures. <laughs> <laughs> I destabilized governments. <laughs> yeah, things of that nature. Uh, anyway, so this film is not very relatable to either of us, but uh, it was very good. It's very enjoyable. I can see why people like it. It's made with a lot of like verve and energy by olivia wilde a lot of like needle drops it's not i would say remotely boring and the thing that makes it such a likable film aside from the fact that it's just a very sort of positive and energetic one is that it's, it's got a very empathetic outlook which is what i f- i'm starting to realize what i really look for in these in these high school movies yeah having recently seen pitch perfect which i did not care for um one of the reasons why i didn't really like that is i felt like that's that's a movie that really displays like high school cliques and stuff yeah yeah but in this super weird way because all of the cliques exist within the world of acapella like singing like you'd think that would just be one clique but instead that's no that, no it's like a million of them there's like the cool acapella singers and the nerdy ones but the, by like reflecting that world it just kind of um, endorses it i think a little bit and the, the main character in that is quite judgmental and like mean and it just sort of reinforces the shallow categorization that kids put themselves into whereas booksmart is a much more kind seeming film it's like it's much, more, much more interested in people and it's not uh, judgmental and its main characters are not are not judgmental either like they're not like the sort of you know i don't know the smart ones where they're not like friends with the nerds or whatever they sure. just they just are who they are and i think one thing that i really appreciated in it is the fact that it has like bully characters but they're not just reductively just the bully you know they yeah. like will bully someone in one scene and then like later on in the movie they will have a different role you'll see a different side to them which i think is much more true to how school actually is yeah absolutely where people will be mean in some circumstances and nice in nice other circumstances i mean that's certainly true of like my own behavior at school where there was like you were two- bullying so many kids well there was definitely these times when i would like make fun of people or like sure, you know, yeah, put yeah, people absolutely. down and stuff and be mean because like a lot of kids are mean to each other but i wouldn't have like categorized myself as the bully or whatever at school um so i thought it was both more like sort of real portrayal of what school friendships are like as well as just a more sort of kind one more interested um it's very funny i thought i was laughing throughout but it was like quite a witty script that's full of great gags and the two leads have fantastic chemistry i don't know if they're real life friends i saw a little bit of a clip of them promoting the film for little white lies where they were sort of bantering around with each other and they seem like they got on very well and that certainly seems the uh, the case in uh, in the movie um, the super bad comparison is probably drawn from uh, it's got quite a similar plot structure. Super bad revolving around uh, Jonah Hill and Michael Cera trying to get to a party, uh, and this is the same. Um, and they're sort of trying to get to one party, and then on the way they like have different adventures where they're sort of course, of, you know, do do different kinds of things. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, I mean it's quite a sort of tried and tested structure, but it's just sort of solid. Yeah, you know, it's not trying to break any boundaries in that in that regard. It's just kind of out to show you a good time, and um, uh, yeah, so I liked it. Uh, it was hard not to compare a little bit to Eighth Grade, just because that's the film I most recently saw about childhood. as a kind of similar coming of age movie, and they're also both films about just when you're just about to go onto the next stage. Yeah, she's just going into high school in eighth grade, and they're just about to go to college in this uh, in this film. And eighth, eighth Grade is like much more of a drama. And it's the central character in that is someone who's really socially anxious, whereas these girls seem like quite confident and they, they seem fine. But I feel like they are opposite sides of a similar coin in a way. They're both, they're both depicting a similar kind of existence, um, even though the experience of watching books mod is really fun and the experience of watching eighth grade is like, you know, quite tense and uh, a lot of the time. Um, but there's something about the uh, necessity of interpersonal kindness, the way that people rely on each other. Uh, against all of the various like odd things about growing up and like the weird pressures that you're put under and Booksmart doesn't really foreground that stuff but i feel like it is in the background yeah and they're just the central pair are just incredibly supportive and nice towards each other and it was just something that's quite nice to see about that sure it's not like the first film ever made with a like buddies who you know help each other out but it's probably the depiction of like one of the most like full on depictions of like nice friendships I've ever seen where they're just like extremely supportive. And it was, you know, it's just very, it was very heartwarming. And it did remind me a bit, this is a comparison that was drawn by Kermode. So if you I don't want you to think I was stealing this from Kermode and not crediting him, but he, he said it was uh, reminded him of bridesmaids in that way. And I think that's quite, that's quite an apt comparison. It's another film about celebrating female friendships and like the supportiveness of women towards each other. And so, yeah, very enjoyable uh, in that respect as well. And quite an assured debut from Olivia Wilde, I would say. thought, you know, she yeah. just uh, just did a good job. So anyway, I, I recommend I remember checking that. out. You know, people are saying it's like destined to immediately become a high school classic and so on and so forth. And it, it's the, it definitely felt watching it, I was like, this is going to be a certain percentage of people's favourite movie. There's no doubt about this it. This could be the new Mean Girls. Yeah, why not? Why not? Why <laughs> but the they're fine? not mean at all. Supportive girls. Nice girls. Cool. Nice cool girls. Nice cool girls. <laughs> I should have called it that. That's where they went wrong. Yeah, they did go wrong in the title. But good otherwise <laughs> My favourite film stars Bridget Bardot. She's the queen but she wants to be in radio So she starts a podcast with her friends And the terrorists try to stop her But she beats them in the end
2: Another film about female friendship What? There's, yes We've had one No, there's another <laughs> God, you wait for one film about female friendship But then two come along at the same time So this is Late Night it is written by Mindy Kaling. It is directed by a guy who I forgot to look up. Just written directed by here on my notes. <laughs> don't know
1: who he is. Don't to look him up. Do you want me to look him up?
2: Yeah, yes, please.
1: Directed by someone called uh, Nisha Ganatra, who's Nisha. Uh, also Good. directed the films Chutney Popcorn and Cosmopolitan. And she was also a director on the first three episodes of Transparent. Excellent. Thank you. So anyway, the film... Uh,
2: In it, Emma Thompson plays Catherine Newbury. She is the host of a U.S. talk show that she's been doing for decades, it's implied, and her ratings have slumped. The show is past its prime, and the head of the network says she's going to be let go. Meanwhile, Mindy Kaling plays uh, Molly Patel. She is an aspiring stand-up and comedy writer who works at a chemical plant but wins a competition to meet the head producer of the show and then subsequently gets hired, uh, so the show has at least one female writer, and drama in shoes. Here's a clip of the network boss played by Amy Ryan telling Emmett Thompson that her contract is not gonna be renewed.
0: I came to tell you this year is your last. What? This season is your last. You're canceling the show? No, I'm canceling you. The show is irrelevant, the ratings reflect that. Do you wanna know who Jimmy Fallon had on last Tuesday when you had Doris Kearns Goodwin? Robert Downey Jr. They watched a sheepdog together. It was f- glorious.
2: So this is a very easy watch, which doesn't really peak your emotional register above like a six. Uh, and it's carried by the immense charm of the two leads. Uh, and I kind of thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I was like, this is a fun time in the movies. Uh, but the more I think about it, the more the movie kind of unravels. What I did like about the film is that the premise kind of makes it political. It's about two women navigating a sexist industry and the relationship they develop. But the just the way the characters are set up. Don't really make sense. For example. As that clip kind of indicated. That Catherine Newbury's show is stale. It seems partly because she books female politicians and authors. And not exciting cool Hollywood A-listers. So like she uses her position to give women a spotlight. But at the same time. She's never hired a single woman to work on her show. So mm. like, It doesn't quite make sense. It's not really consistent with her character. And it's also weird that they make Mindy Kaling literally a competition winner, instead of it being about a woman of color, uh, in a room full of white guys. It's more becomes more about like a rookie finding the rope, uh, finding, finding the rope, finding the rope you use to um, succeed in your job. You know the the, the job rope. <laughs> yeah, the rope. The rope. Show her the rope. It's yeah. been lost. You'll need to find it. So like when the uh sort of the, the douchey bro riders are like you're just a diversity hire, that is accurate. You know, like she, ha- and I don't know if the comment was like the only way to get into one of those rooms because they're so sexist and uh, unwelcome that people are covered. You literally have to win a competition, but it did seem like it kind of diminished her character in a way. You know what I mean? Like that seems like an odd plot development. Yeah, I mean, p- perhaps that that is the reason that there's no ladder. You know, nobody, yeah, yeah, but I don't know. It just felt like it diminished whatever point it was trying to make. Yeah, and I think these flaws are just indicative of the fact that the movie's somewhat messy in what it's trying to say, and it's never clear like what the emotional heart of the movie is. Is it about Mindy Kaling succeeding in this world? Is it about her friendship with Emma Thompson? And there's also like another plot line which kind of comes to the forefront in like the final act of the movie where it's about Emmett Thompson and her strained relationship with her terminally ill husband played by Jonathan Lifko. And they all kind of feel like slightly separate movies, all of which are good. And it's not like any of the scenes drag and they're all like such good actors that it's almost to the movie's detriment because like if there's, if these actors weren't really committing to this, you could maybe brush it off a bit more, but they kind of convince the couple so fully that you're like, maybe this should just be a film about their relationship. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like they're all valid, but they kind of find each other for dominance. And you're a bit kind of confused about which plot line you're supposed to be invested in. And also, I don't think it ever clarifies like what a good version of a late night show is. Is it a format with any artistic merit? And is a show failing because she's not funny or because she has integrity? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a bit satirical, but also we're going to do the best late night show. But saying that, it's like very warm, very witty movie. It's not got a lot of belly last but it's just like a solid... I am sort of chuckling throughout. I could chuckle some time. And it's probably the kind of movie that would be like ITV2 a lot when I can imagine rewatching, But it kind of feels like a missed opportunity in a way because it kind of throws up interesting ideas and then doesn't develop them fully would be my main takeaway. It's like a kind of freestyle movie. Okay. But, you know, if you just didn't watch it, you're not missing out. I didn't watch it. <laughs> You're not missing out.
1: <laughs> when Zach Graff heard something that changed his life, what he listen to? Film When John Cusack made a mixtape for his future wife, what did she listen to? Film When Michael Madsen cut a guy's ear off, what was he dancing to? Film When Tim Robbins showed Short that he had enough, which record did he choose?
0: Yeah 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 yeah.
1: All right, Danny. Someone goes to buy a hat, somewhere like that this is an art film. This is art grown-ups. film.
2: Sunset. Let's hear it. Directed
1: by Laszlo Nemes, he of *Son of Saul* fame.
2: I was like, after that two-hour <laughs> grueling Holocaust drama, this, this better be a comedy, Laszlo. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> in the movie. uh <laughs>
1: <laughs> Disappointing.
2: Disappointing. Disappointing. Hold up. So let me. <laughs> so in
1: 1913,
2: in Budapest, a young woman played by Julie Jacob arrives in town uh, and tries to get a job at a milliner's that used to belong to her parents, but they died in a fire years ago, and she was sent to an orphanage. The store's new owner, Oscar Brill, played by Vlad Ivanov, he is in Snowpiercer. He's like that heavy. He's a, kind of big, he's a kind of famous Romanian actor. The guy who won't die from Snowpiercer. I remember that guy. Um, says there's no jobs available and tries to get rid of her. And then she hears that she has a brother, which she didn't know about. And from there, it's like a sort of mystery drama of her trying to figure out what happened in the past. But also the backdrop is that basically World War I is about to kick off and Budapest is a kind of powder keg between the bourgeois and the working class. I won't play a clip. It's all in Hungarian. You know, I don't speak Hungarian. What about for our Hungarian listeners? For our Hungarian listeners, this is for you.
0: <laughs> this is for you
2: guys. <laughs> so this this review is going to sound a bit like my highlight review. I, I saw it describe this movie as mesmerizing, but maddening experience. <laughs> a mesmerizing, but maddening experience. I would lean more towards the mesmerizing, less on the maddening. I wasn't super frustrated with it. It's a very odd film. One of the most successful things about it is that it adopts the same visual style of Son of Saul where the camera basically never leaves the main character's side. You're either following her, or it's her point of view, or it's a close-up of her face. And it worked brilliantly for Son of Saul, and it kind of works equally well here. It's a very uh, immersive technique, and it makes everything very vivid and immediate. But I think the best thing about it is that it makes the past strange it also reminds me a bit of uh, victoria that single take movie where the visual grammar of the film is so unusual that time dilates slightly mm. you can't like you're just not used to processing images this way like you're waiting for cuts to happen they don't happen and yeah it just makes like 1913 is is just a very odd place to be and it's not just oh it's like modern times but people wore different hats and their horses It genuinely seems like a different place. Uh, I know that's not stupid, but... (laughs) Do you know know what I mean? Like, I feel there's often with period dramas, it's like that kind of Merchant Ivory thing of just... It's all very stately. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you never... It's kind of something distancing about it. But this one, you know, really throws you into it. And on that point, it's just like a technically astounding movie. Uh, The action unfolds so organically, but I just feel very sorry for all the, you know, assistant directors and stuff, choreographing all this mad things happening, horses, there's explosions, fires, crowd scenes. It's a very action-packed film. And I'm just like, it does really kind of sweep you away. Where it struggled, I thought, was in the plotting. Initially, it's got this kind of strong thing where like Inez is just given the simple girl trying to find her brother. And she kind of pursues this relentlessly. And there's something of a kind of dogged detective aspect of the movie however as the film goes on and it's two and a half hours long she kind of goes in circles and it becomes a bit vague and she hits these dead ends and it kind of strained my patience slightly but the reason i think i kind of stuck with it is that it's got this atmosphere to it and it really successfully sells the idea of a city that's about to implode and even as the plot becomes slightly opaque just the mood intensifies so it's kind of gripping also julie jacob is great she's got a lot of presence it's kind of similar to the guy from *Son of Saul*. I think Laszlo names are just good at finding people who are good at staring and looking intense, mm. and she kind of carries the movie. Yeah, so I, I, yeah, I, I would say I liked it. It's kind of like the interesting second album kind of movie. You know what I mean? After like this sort of successful debut, he's definitely trying something new, and it doesn't always totally work. But there, you know, it works more than it doesn't and the visual style is so impressive that it kind of carries you through the weaker moments. So a better sophomore effort
1: than The Kid Who Would Be King.
2: Yes. There's a lot of
1: more comparisons I can make between these two <laughs> films, but I won't. Excellent. Well, that lends a nice symmetry to this. I didn't episode. like the sort of chubby, salvation psychic character <laughs> she had. I just wish he was the lead. Yesterday I bumped into Imelda and She was up with her dog and me talking. I asked her what she does when she isn't acting. She said she likes podcasts for relaxing. Remember you when you're in the mood? What do you listen to? She said I listen to one podcast. I listen to one podcast. Only the other ones can kiss my asses. I listen to one podcast. Film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat. Film chat.
2: Oh, right. I'm exhausted from trying to think about all these smart movies. You know, like what's there's got to be some just like let's go see what X Men: Dark Phoenix. let
1: Dedicate a whole episode to that. Yeah, I mean, how can it be bad? Is it going to have a scene as as good as the one where Apocalypse touches the TV and he's like
2: learning?
1: What about the bit when Magneto destroys Auschwitz? Yeah, <laughs> is that okay? That was that was probably the greatest cinematic depiction <laughs> of anything related to the Holocaust of all time. Uh, son of Saul and... Uh... And uh, the flashback in the first uh, X-Men <laughs> film where he sort of twists the gates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was also pretty powerful. All right, uh, listeners, that's it. We might have a little break now because I'm going on holiday for two weeks. And during that time... I mean, Danny, if you want to come around here, record a little solo stuff. Maybe I will. Maybe Maybe I will. Maybe just do what you want. Get creative. Maybe replace you. Maybe replace me. Get someone else in. I'll give you both keys. You can just be in here recording the podcast. Have my own podcast with Hookers and Blackjack. You can if you want to. Um, And uh, yeah, and then we'll be back, I guess, in July. And until then, just have a lovely, lovely June. Have a lovely time. Have a great time. All right. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
0: That's right! That is right! (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, Emma Thompson, you know there's only one thing left to do. Yeah, you can see it Would you like to wash the sheep down together? Yes! Yes! (laughs) Yes, of course I would! Come on! Hi, buddy. Hi, pal. Oh. Hi, buddy. Hi, pal. Hi, buddy.
1: Oh, what a good boy. Oh, oh what a Are good dog. you boy. Do you know what? This actually is f- glorious.
2: <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.